All right. On this episode of the Launch Notes podcast, we've got an incredible dive into company and product strategy with Chris Mann. Chris is like this product renaissance man. I don't know how else to describe it. He's led product teams at a ton of top companies uh, like LinkedIn, 1Password, IBM. He ran product at a startup called Bizzo that was acquired by LinkedIn for $175 million. He goes deep into how Bizzo tackled its company strategy with some help from a pretty unexpected place. It's a really cool conversation. I think you're going to enjoy it. And a quick reminder, this episode is brought to you by Launch Notes. If you're listening to this, there's a good chance you're passionate about product, whether you're a PM, product marketer, founder. Launch Notes is the world's first product success platform, bringing together product feedback, customer insights, enterprise-ready roadmaps, marketing-grade changelog, all into one easy-to-use solution. Come see why hundreds of amazing companies like Segment, Drata, Loom love Launch Notes. Head to launchnotes.com. Now onto the episode. All right, Chris, thanks for joining us today, man. Super, super excited to have you on the show. Yeah, Blake, good to see you, man. Excited to be here. I want to dive in. We've got something cool to talk about that. But before we do, maybe you could give us like a kind of quick overview. I'm looking at your LinkedIn right now, dude. And you're just like, you're kind of like a product renaissance man. You've been at a bunch of cool companies. looks like you've done a, done a lot of cool work. We could probably talk about that, your resume the whole, the whole time. Let's try to not do that, but maybe give folks like the kind of quick overview at some of the stuff you've done in the product world and kind of what you're, you know, where you are now. Yeah, cool. I think that's very nice of you to say that. So yeah, my name's Chris Mann. I'm a 25 year plus product guy. I, I say started my product career in IBM when the browser came out working in, in the e-commerce world. I wanted to be where people were exchanging money and I've tried to have a nose for the, you know, the technology epochs that are happening. So, you know, after e-commerce, it was analytics and web analytics. And then after that, I got into the advertising tech and ad data world before, you know, the social platforms were advertising. Then I went into eventually had a CEO job, which was kind of a different thing. I got into crypto and then right now my nose is all in generative AI. And I like to go to where the new changes are happening and be new on new frontiers. I like the creativity and the massive change. And I see all these technologies as magical um, when change is happening and happening fast. And that's, you know, and then so it's IBM, LinkedIn. I built a company with a bunch of really smart people at Bizzo from 15 people to 150 and LinkedIn acquired us. I've sold a couple companies and I've had a whole bunch of misses and big failures too along the way, you know? So yeah, yeah. that's, I guess that's a little bit of a background. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's great. You've got, a, it looks, you, you've developed pretty, pretty refined palette for emerging technology. It looks like, and have been able to uh, find some friends, some, pretty cool pockets of the, of the tech world and, and jump across different kind of, you know, different kind of flavors of this industry. That's, it's always really cool to see. And it, it sounds like you've had a lot of fun doing it. Always learning, man. Always learning. So let's jump into this. You've got this, uh, you've got this series of blog posts that's on, I believe on your site or your medium, your medium, I'll, I'll, I'll throw yep. the links up to on the show notes so folks can find them. But Cool. Tell me about what happened. You're at this, it's Bizzo, right? Where you were? Yeah. 
So sort of, yeah, set the stage with how, you know, what was going on at the company and, and who this guy was who kind of showed up and what happened there. Yeah. yeah, cool. So, you know, as product managers and as a younger product manager, I felt a lot of stress and load in a technology software company where the future of the company really depended on having successful product and a winning product strategy in a sizable market. And, you know, you can go to a lot of places like Silicon Valley product group or pragmatic marketing, and you can learn, or you can be inside of companies that already have a good product management discipline. And you can learn the fundamentals of product management. What you, what is not easy to find is the fundamentals of company strategy or how the executives in a company all work together collaboratively to think through and build a product strategy together and then wrap the company resources around the product strategy so that the value of the product can be captured by the company and realized by the customers. And so as a young product person, I would do all of this work and then show up to these executive meetings and kind of present my ideas. And it was, it was really, it becomes hard to, as you're, let's see, what am I stumbling for here? As your career grows in product, kind of the final mile is not really product, but how you manage the executive team and how the executive team actually collaborates. And that's where we were at Bizzo at this time. So you might find this in your own company. Some of you may have experienced this. You know, you're, if you're on the executive team, now you're the head of product and you're sitting at the table with all of the execs. And so, you know, once a quarter, you have an executive offsite and it's a day to do deep thinking, quote unquote, and everybody's going to go somewhere and, and you're going to have an agenda and talk through things and come out with great insights and more alignment. So, and if you're like me, you probably would, we would show up to those meetings at Bizzo and we were a great group of folks that were very close, but hardly anybody did any homework except me as the, you know, the product people are used to doing more research than the head of sales or the marketing guy or whatever. So we'd show up and people would just start talking off the top. You know, I know the business, I'm living it all day long. Let's make the agenda up today, you know, and, and the, the meetings yep. were <laughs> less than productive. A lot of times key decisions were made in the hallway, say between the CEO and the head of sales and just kind of announced to the rest of the yeah. team. So all these things collab contribute to, we're not getting the, the most thinking out of everybody. We're not getting thoughtful information on the table for us to all evaluate. We're doing things to undermine each other and kind of lose confidence or, you know, have people feel less engaged. There's all kinds of stuff that happens. Good intentions, you know, right? Like everybody wants mm -hmm. to be as productive as possible, but we don't, that team did not know how to run a strategy planning process. And Russ Glass, the CEO of Bizzo, just a super brilliant guy. Like he saw that we had a problem and he found a, an old consultant, this guy named Dwight Porter, who's like 73 years old and, Dwight got his consulting kind of creds by being credited with turning around DoubleClick, which led to a $3 billion mm -hmm. acquisition at Google. And then Dwight 
became strategy consultant for AppNexus, which is a major, major ad tech player. And, and he's been going on and on. And so Dwight came I, in. Go ahead. I just love that. It's like cinematic the way you describe that, where it's like you can just picture here's all these, you know, young tech executives working at a startup. Everyone thinks they know everything about the company and is like on the cutting edge in walks. 70 plus year old guy probably wearing a sport coat and it's like yes. who's who's this guy who what's this guy going to tell us about our our business yeah yeah it was exactly that and we had a diverse range of experiences on our executive team so some people have been around a lot and some people were very young yet this is just such a hard craft to learn you have to be in a situation like this where you've had a consultant come in and and this is my, has been my experience. So Dwight comes in and he starts explaining that we are going to be running a annual strategic planning process. This is a ongoing thing that we'll be doing. There are eight full day meetings throughout the year. This will be the first one in roughly early March. And this process will have a number of different phases to it and the phases the way he described it i thought were were really really captivating so the phases are learn think decide plan to act and execute so there's actually five of those so learn think decide plan to act and execute in the learning phase was Let's all come together and make sure that we educate ourselves on our business as it is today so that we all get a common understanding of the business that we are in and all the issues that we're facing. And now most companies would think, well, we all work together all day long. We're living this. We need to move on to making decisions. And what Dwight showed us was that, and I've seen this repeatedly now, is that there are very important things that we were passing each other like ships in the night. And it's I like to think about like we're we're all standing on a beach ball, right? And one of us is going, hey, the beach ball is red, you know, and I'm over here, I'm like, dude, it's blue, you know, and someone else says it's yellow, and then Yeah. You're like, Whoa, You're like this trust me, I stand on the beach ball every day. Yeah. I've got my whole thing. It's blue. Yeah. <laughs> I'm yeah. always on this beach ball. What are you talking about? Yeah, exactly. And then you find out, yeah, we're on a beach ball. And so, you know, they can be simple things like what what is the market that we're going after and who are the key personas and is everybody aligned on that? Like is product building exactly to that? Is marketing going after those people? Are salespeople still focusing on other things? You know, those just what are the current state of everything? You get get those out there, and that can take one to two full days of the strategy planning process just to get that uncovered. And every single time I've done, I've, I've run a few of these myself since then. I've hired Dwight to follow me into another company. Every single time, there's so much value in just making sure that we're all on the same page. And yet there's a process for how you set up the agenda and run these meetings, which mm -hmm. I'll get into if we have time. But the yeah. next part, the next part is the, the learn, the learn phase and, or sorry, the think phase. So the think phase is actually 
what are all the things that we don't know and the key questions that we need to go get answers to, or what are all the potential future product decisions that we should take a look at? And so this, this think period was probably three to four of the meetings where you're going through and you're looking very deeply at big product initiatives. And what was interesting here is, so we needed to look at a few different initiatives. We need to look at what was happening with mobile and advertising and what our play would be. We decided it would be important that we'd look at SMB and if we should have a self-service strategy. And there was a third product initiative that was also on the table. And so we laid all of these out and decided as a group what the top things were we should look at. And we took time to go through all those and do full you know, strategy exploration, which fell on me and the product team with participation from other folks. And the first one we looked at was the entering the SMB market. And oftentimes in a startup, we'll get together and get do good research and get a good idea together. And we get excited, like, wow, this makes sense. Good market opportunity, something we should do. Pull the trigger, bang, bang, bang. We move really fast and we execute on it. So I go out and I do the research on this SMB strategy. And it was collaborative with the other execs, and we did a lot of work, and I got everybody aligned, and we walked into the meeting already aligned, and I fist on the table, bang, all in, SMB, we're all doing it. And the other execs were nodding, and like, this is a great thing, and Dwight calmly says, okay, that's a real good piece of work. Now let's slide that one aside and go work on the next two. And uh, it's like, oh, okay. And so you know, historically, we'd have pulled the trigger on that. Well, we worked mm -hmm. through the next two, and the third one turns out to be the one that LinkedIn acquired us for. And we likely would have gotten to that at some point or in our own way. This was, and this feels, if that took us, let's say that took us two months to do the strategy work, even three to do the strategy work that saved us two or three years of, you know, screwing around on stuff that wasn't didn't turn out to be as valuable had we thought about it. So I have so many times where startups will say, this takes too much time. We need to move fast. And it's like, well, you know, mm -hmm. you need to slow down to go faster sometimes. And yeah. So how, that, how fast, how fast is it really if you're executed on the wrong thing for 18 months and then because you were in a meeting and said, this is an idea, let's move fast. Let's do it. And what you're really doing is committing to a year plus of work maybe. So but yeah, quick side. I mean, quick sidebar on all this. Like, I'm loving the. I you can see already how much of the the secret sauce here is around like the pacing and timing with some of this. I love how it's a it's a year and so many. How many companies do this? Was like you described. It's like we're doing strategy. It's like we'll carve out three days in January and hope we get it yes. right, and then we'll come back. Even having to be able to say like, hey, we're doing learn for the next, you know, six weeks or whatever, then we're going to come back and digest what we found out. I've been in so many of these, you know, kind of strategy sessions or offsites or whatever, where it's like, you come up with a really compelling question and it's like, you know, how many of our customers came to us because they were unhappy with a competitor? And you're like, gee, I, I don't know. That'd be great to know. It's like, yeah, it would be. It's like, but... We've only got this conference room till Tuesday. So 
I guess we don't have time to go figure that out. Like, let's move on. Like you end up kind of just like living off low hanging fruit because you don't have the breathing room to like go do research, do legwork on what you're finding. So the, the pacing of all this really feels like, like just like an unlock. Meanwhile, we're in a startup mode. Like we're running our business and working like hell in between all of these old, what you just said was uh, three days in January. So you, right. So what's, what's the normal mode preparing for sales kickoff in early February? We'll start thinking about it in January. Like, no, we finish our strategy planning process in late November. We close the year out in December and we have a full commercialization plan that we're going to roll out in January our sales organization that we've been working on for a year. You know, it's like we, mm-hmm. you, we got so up-leveled. So let's go back to what happened when we were reviewing those different product strategies. So here is an opportunity to get everybody aligned. Like the head of sales really is passionate about something because three big customers have come to him and he wants to see that and he's got a lot of sway in the company. And so he, in the certain company dynamics, he might've just pushed this, the CEO to say, okay, we're going to do that. And that gets announced to the product management organization that we're going to now enter this new thing. And you as the head of product are like, oh, fuck, what, <laughs> you know, where did this come from? Why? Right. So in this environment, the sales guy puts that idea on the table and we decide even if it's worth spending the time to look at. And if it is, we look at that in depth and we all we may get surprised as a team that this guy is on to something or we may all have collaboratively thought this through and found out the, the other two ideas were better. And so we make a decision as a group with the information that we all can bring to the table and suddenly we're like feeling, wow, we're doing the right thing. We're all aligned and the relationships get tighter on the team because there's no, all the, all the discomfort Mm -hmm. and the, you know, the communication that maybe as a young product guy, I was afraid to sit down and have, this is all happening in a structured process that lets it all come out. So, So now that we, the goal of this process is to come up with the top six initiatives the executive team is going to commit to with high integrity commitments to get right next year. So we're going to do a lot of other things, but there's six things we're going to do. Three of them may be new product initiatives and the other three may be other activities that are going to support the overall goals of the company. It could be things like you know, we need to you know, reduce customer churn or we need to increase our margins or, you know, maybe we have a culture problem. I don't know. That wasn't our case there. So, but just to get some ideas that this is not all just about product at a company strategy level, but at least 50% of it is. And we're at the decide stage by now, right? Now we're, yeah, we've done our thinking. Okay. Now we're deciding and agreeing on what those top top six initiatives are going to be as we've gone through all the thinking. And then the plan to act is then you go through and you write commercialization for deep plans to execute on each one of those strategies. So we were putting out a whole new product that the company had never sold or supported before. And so you're going through questions like what kind of new skills are we going to need? How many new salespeople will we need? Do we need a different customer support model? If so, do we need new technology or new people? 
when are we going to start hiring all these people so that they're in place in time for as the product's ready to scale? What, is, what are the roles of all the people and the specific handoffs and who in the functional team on the executive team is committing and signing up to exactly what so this all comes together? And we spent a lot of time on, on that document for one of the major initiatives. And it just set us up for when we got into the January kickoff, we could tell every functional team what was happening, what was going to change, what their new roles were. Maybe there's new jobs in the company for people. And we were, we were really hitting the gas hard coming in the, the company kickoff. And then as you go through the next year, you're, when you start in, in March, instead of so much on the, 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 the learning of the current company situation, it's monitoring. So what happened? How are our plans taking hold? What kind of things do we have to adjust from our learnings to make sure that this new strategy is coming into place? And I can remember one day sitting with our head of development in one of these meetings and he leans over to me as our plan is coming together for the next year. And we're putting our revenue targets together now that we have the six key initiatives and we know what our commercialization plan is. Imagine the visibility you have on revenue because now revenue is not just how many salespeople are we going to hire and how much are we going to spend on marketing. It's very thought out on all those things plus key major big product initiatives in new expansion markets. And Donnie was our CTO and he whispered to me, he's like, God, what do you think this guy Dwight is worth? And so it's like we, we easily put additional yeah. 20 million on our revenue goal next year and we feel yeah. good about it. You know, how much yeah. of that should, what should we be giving him? Yeah. Yeah. Like what, what can you charge when you can walk into a company and, and use strategy to unlock an additional 20 million? It was, and he's not cheap, but boy, is he awesome and he's well worth it. And he would coach, he would coach me on the side and, you know, we'd have meetings one-on-one and on all kinds of topics of how, you know, how to function as an executive on this team, how to better lead a growing product team. So I, I got a tremendous amount. I want to be Dwight when I grow up. It sounds like a great role model. I'm kind of putting, putting my startup hat on like, so you do these, it's like five sessions and we already talked, they're kind of broken out into these eight week chunks and you kind of like come back together. And it's like, all right, now we're going to work on decide. Now we're going to work on think, whatever. And you kind of alluded to, so like you would, you would kind of do the cycle again the next year, right? Like you'd kind of start, you know, kind of continue like, all right, what's our new version of, you know, learn, think, decide, plan, execute. What do you, so I can see it's like, okay, year two, we're kind of executing on year one, year three, we're executing on year two. How can you get over the hesitancy? Because you talked about how go, go, go startups are. I imagine yeah. for a lot of founder leaders or product leaders, they'd hear this and be like, a year? Like, we might be out of money in a year. Like, how do we, yeah. how do you yeah. kind of shore that up for, you know, a founder or a product leader who's like looking at their runway and looking at their burn going, we got to get some, we got to get executing quick here? Yeah, that's a good point and important piece of data I left out of the conversation was that our company was about 80 to 90 employees at the time. Now, if I would have rolled it back three years before that, we 
would have right-sized this process to something that's much more abbreviated that, you know, you could go through these many cycles, the, the complete cycle once a quarter almost, right? Like you have one product, you have 10 customers, right? You, yeah, yeah. But it's still important to be thoughtful and to take a little bit of time to think through your alternatives. Like I was, I was in Stockholm two weeks ago, this generative AI company flew me out to hang out with them for a week. And tough gig. You know, yeah, exactly. It was really <laughs> nice. It was really nice. Yeah. Uh, I'd, yeah. Love to do that. I'd love to do that again. If you're somewhere yeah. outside the U S I won't charge <laughs> anything, but I just, I found them doing things that were again, very reactive or not doing enough product management research. Like they were doing, they want to be a PLG play because PLG is really cool right now. So they're building a product, they put it out there, and then they want to see who their customers are and how their customers react to their product. And then that'll tell them what they do next. And I was like, well, wait a minute. <laughs> you should be looking at what your current product capabilities are, what the capabilities are of your team. Tell me what you know about your product and its capabilities and where we think it applies. And then let's go look at different industries, different verticals, let's different kind of customers and figure out where we think it's going to have the most value. And then let's think about where we would take it. Oh, man, sorry about that. <laughs> no worries. Then let's think about where that product roadmap should go. And then let's think about how we really go get some of those specific customers and learn and they, mm -hmm. you know, there was so much. So those are all things that if we had a, a structured yeah. process we could run through, we, we could do that whole thing. And we did that in the course of a week for them. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Right. Yeah. Uh, so you could kind of, you could kind of grow into this and like, you could start with the cycle being like really kind of like tight and sized to like, however lean your company is. And then over the years, like give it more and more kind of breathing room to, adjust for the complexity of a growing business. Yeah. And like at LinkedIn, there was probably like 10,000 people when I was at LinkedIn. And so, you know, that executive team had their own way of running the company. They were not going to listen to me about my strat planning process, but within the LinkedIn ads business, I was able to get everybody to do this and people really loved it because it was so collaborative. So we had big meetings at, in the LinkedIn ads business, mm -hmm. like 50 people all participating yeah. for, for different reasons. Like I wanted it to be really inclusive. So it's so in a big company, yeah. it's easy for, you know, the salespeople to feel like the roadmap is not right and they have no visibility into why we're doing what we're doing. And so, yeah. Yeah. That's a great lesson too, about just like kind of finding your stride in a big company. I think like a lot of it's like the most common complaint of people in larger more complex organizations is they're like, well, I don't get to do strategy because, oh, I'm at Microsoft or I'm at this and they've got this fully baked, you know, they've got their fully baked thing. But like you said, like find that, find that little pocket, like carve out your own little kingdom. It's not going to be the whole company, but it could be like, Hey, like I'm, you know, I'm kind of running the show with associate PMs and the ad on the ad business. And there's 12 of us. And I introduced this new way of working and, you know, like a lot of the most 
sophisticated people who, you know, do cool things or in organizations kind of do that instead of just sort of lamenting about, well, I don't get to do strategy because I'm not a VP yet or whatever. Yeah. Let's take that example. Let's take another example. Like, let's say I'm a product manager for sales Viva inside of Microsoft. And that's like their sales productivity mm -hmm. product that helps salespeople who use Microsoft Dynamics be more productive and automate things. Well, what's going to happen in a company like that is I will have a development team. I will have a product marketer or product marketers. I will have a sales team or some type of a go to market. And so you can build this type of process that involves all of those people so that you all work together to function as kind of like a mini executive team and bring everybody together, get the best ideas on the table, get everybody thinking. So another, if we have a couple minutes, we should probably talk about meeting prep and the artifacts of meeting, which are really important, I think. Yeah, let's do it. Okay. So what you want to do before your first meeting, when you're doing the learn meeting and before every meeting is planning the agenda is really important. And so what we would do is we would run these meetings from 7.30 in the morning till 5 or 6 at night, like all day. And they were exciting and full of energy and very intense. And in the learn phase, every functional area in the company is going to have some time on the agenda. And it's really what's going on in your function? What are your key challenges? What are your market insights? And what are your things that you know, you need to break things open in your area and what are your, what's your point of view on, on the product? You need to be making sure that you're covering fundamental things like market dynamics, competitive trends. What do we know about our own customers and customer segmentation? And you carve out in a Google doc is how I did it. Those topics, you carve out what those topics are and all the sub points you want hit in that meeting in those areas you give it a leader and a set of collaborators who want to work on that or need to and then you assign it a time how much time are you going to give it as a, a, pro, a portion of that entire day and you do that up front and then through the course of let's say we have four weeks to plan for to between the time the agenda is set and when the meeting is coming Everybody works ideally in a written Google Doc, not presentations, but if a presentation's better for the topic, fine. And no later than 24 hours before the meeting, everybody has to distribute and publish their content. And inside of every one of these documents, there's a table with the names, the initials of all of the executives at the bottom of the document. And it's important that you make a commitment to each other that everybody will read the document and at least, you know, put their, write their name next to their initials at the bottom, just type it in. Ideally, you're going to make a few comments in the document to ask questions or make suggestions to, to stimulate more conversation. So what happens when you do that? Is that like, why is it in school that we read the chapter and then we go over the chapter in class? 
because it takes repetition for people to grok everything and all of this stuff. We're going over complicated information with a lot of nuances. And so I can remember walking into one of the meetings at LinkedIn when I was putting this in place with one of my the product guys, Nathan Julka. Oh, I love this dude. He's just a brilliant dude. I don't know if you've met him. I think I was introducing you guys, Blake. But yeah, uh, I think we're uh, we're gonna hopefully hopefully listeners will catch him on a few future episode here because we're trying to make that oh, happen. Good, good, yeah, good, yeah. good. Yeah, he's something else, and he looks at me and he smiles and he goes, "I think ninety percent of the work is already done as the meeting was started." Yeah, what, so that's what, great. What happens in that prep? Well, everybody has to get their shit together. Right. Like you're yeah. not just showing up to the meeting talking. You've done a lot of thinking and you've got to straighten up some of your shit in your own department. And then in the meeting, someone has to be the moderator and has to hold us to that agenda time. That's hard. Like if the section only has 30 minutes, it's got 30 minutes. You have to get through it. It's all this is that time is money. And we've allocated the time based on the value of each section. And you have to be good at getting people out of rabbit holes. So people will mm -hmm. get into a conversation and get emotional. And usually when this thing is going, they tend to go on and get kind of veer. These are agenda topics for, for potential deep dives that we will do later. And you mm -hmm. need to park that conversation, write it on the board and have everybody get out. And usually when you have a moderator who can stop one of those, the participants are really happy, you know, because mm -hmm. you kind of, getting into an ego battle or some kind of an intellectual competition. And it's like, look, mm -hmm. these are good meaty topics. Everybody's excited. Park that on the board and let's go. So I could, I can keep going here, but I think the, you get the idea of those artifacts and how important they, and I should publish some examples of, of that. I just have never done that. Well, this is awesome. And are you, I know you said you've worked with some startups and companies kind of implementing this. Are you still actively doing work like that? Like if folks reach out, will you, you know, are you kind of taking, taking on projects to help companies do this? Yeah, it depends on what's going on in my, my life. So it's, it's more of a, a hobby than a career, but you know, if you're interested in learning about it, or you want to, you know, have me help set your team up to kick off a first meeting, you know, it'd be hard for me to say no, because I believe so much of this and we have to help each other because there isn't another way. And I feel fortunate to have learned it from Dwight, his name, Dwight Porter. If you want to look him up on LinkedIn, um, you may well I gotta get try him. I, I know I got to get him on the show too. I'd, I'd yeah. love to talk to him. I'm sure he's got some more stories. Oh yeah. I hadn't thought about, he would be very interesting. He is such a sophisticated communicator, man. I just love listening to the way that he manages the room and is, it's really great. So very cool. Very cool. So if folks, if folks do want to connect with you and maybe explore learning more from you, working together, anything like that, like how can, how can people get in touch? Yeah, my email is productman, M-A-N-N, productman at gmail.com. Or I'm on LinkedIn all the time. Like I'm on LinkedIn Messenger, like I'm on text messages. So you can you can do a connection request, put a couple of things in the connection request that, you know, keep me from ignoring you and <laughs> we'll go that way. Yeah. 
Awesome. Well, yeah, I, I'll be sure we drop those links in the show notes can, so folks can find those if they want to. And yeah, otherwise, man, I feel like there's probably a hundred more you know, hours of conversation we could have on these topics. And I, I know you've got a ton more stories. So we'll, we'll have to reconnect someday and, and do a round two on this because this has been super fun. Yeah, it's fun hanging with you, Blake. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks, Chris. See ya. Okay, cheers. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Launch Notes podcast. If you enjoyed this conversation, please take 10 seconds to leave us a five-star review. Your review helps new people find the show. More importantly, it lets us know which episodes you've enjoyed the most so we can continue to find amazing guests and topics you'll love. Even if you don't typically leave podcast reviews, it would mean a ton to us if you did. We're pumped when we get new reviews. I personally read every review. I'm always sharing them with the rest of the Launch Notes team. So thank you in advance and see you next time.